Hello, everybody. My name is Lon Strohschein, former public company executive turned lifestyle engineer. One year ago, I left my job as a public company executive, and I left without a resume, without another job, without a Rolodex of clients. But I left anyway. I left believing that the best years of my life were in front of me and knowing that they weren't going to be found where I was standing. I left and my mission has become to inspire the lives of a thousand dudes, to inspire the dude I used to be, to go do the things they want to do. My job here is to give you courage to finally act. And it's to remind you that dude, at this stage in life, nobody shows up to do it for you, but I'm here and I'll travel that highway with you. Thanks for being here. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you along the normal 40 highway. All right, now we've got after hours the ramble time, Lon. This is uh, this right. is the post awkward conversation ramble. Uh, so for those of you who have already heard that episode, um, this will get you caught up. If not, you can hit pause, go back, listen to that, and then come back and uh, and tune this bad boy up, Lon. And I gotta tell you, we talked a lot about awkward conversations. I'm gonna have an awkward conversation with you right now. That that episode of uh, of of the podcast. It's probably the most passionate I've ever seen you on a podcast. It's probably the most passionate. Um, you, you use the word punchy a few times. Um, the most charged up I've seen you, uh, I've heard you as we've had one of these particular episodes. Um, so I got to know why. Why, why, does, why does this topic get you some of that passion to kind of bring that passion to the surface for you? Um, because every day it's, it's starting to, it's, um, it's starting to wear on me. Um, and, and so what is starting to wear on me every day? Um, not every day, multiple days a week. I open up my calendar to people who can come in and sign up for a conversation and I'm booked out weeks and I take that time very seriously. I bet. And, and I don't know this, but, uh, and nobody can say that, Hey, I talked to this guy. Cause nobody wants to like, like I said, I'm the internet mistress. Everybody wants to be around me and talk to me and be, and, 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 um, have conversation, have intimate conversations with me. Uh, but nobody wants anybody else to know that it's happening. And, and I get that, but I, I bring it to those conversations. I don't, I don't call it in. I don't treat it as a funnel. I bring it. I clear my head and I show up to every conversation. And so I get, I get really, um, emotionally connected, um, and interested and motivated and inspired by these guys. And after a while, some guys break through and they get through the other side and, and they're so thankful. They're so happy. They're so at peace. I get texts. I got a text on Thursday. I'm going to do a post about it when the dude's ready. I got a text on Thursday from a guy in an airport. And it was a long text of deep, sincere thanks, because here's what happened. We did a ramble late last year, not all that long ago. Um, and he decided after reading my content and after our ramble that he was not going to tolerate what he was tolerating. And he had a great job. Holy shit. It's a, it's a wonderful job uh, for a wonderful company. And he, but it just wasn't where his future was and he didn't feel it. So he, he resigned and he's got a plan B and he's going down a path, but he emailed me because he said, it's the first time he was in an airport with his family on his way to Disney world. He's got a young family. And he said, I don't have an email to check. I don't have a text that's keeping me awake. I don't 
wonder when I'm going to return a call between flights. I'm in an airport for the first time in my entire adult life with my kids and my, and my family with my wife. And I'm happy. I'm happy. I am freaking happy. So I, I, I see what it's like. I see this guy. I'm like, Holy shit. Great. Yes. Gah, you're one of a thousand. Thank you. Um, and, and then I talk to 15 guys in the week who are way behind him and, mm-hmm. and they have a chance to get there. And so what was this that you saw this passion? You have to fucking start. You have to do something. And I, I put it in my tech uh, in my, in my post too. I'm like, you show up here hoping you get something out of me. You read my content, you listen to my podcast because you hope to get something out of me. Ironically, that's not why I'm here. I don't show up here so you get something out of me. I'm here so that finally I get something out of you. You show up, you take an action. I'll do whatever I can. I'll give you my time. I'll make the podcast. I'll do the content. I'll put in the time. Not so that you get something out of me, man. So I finally get something out of you. And the only thing I want out of you is you, for you to get clarity on what you want. So, man, I am amped up. I know I am. Sorry about that. I just want people. I feel like when I bring the passion in writing and here, it resonates. I just do. I think, I think dudes need a punch. I think they like to read the stuff. They like the nice stuff. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't land a punch, they don't really respect it. And so um, I dialed it up here. I'm impassioned by it, but damn it, I want to get something out of dudes. I want to finally have today be the day that something was said, something hit them so hard that they kind of throw their head back and I say, all right, God damn it. I'm going to call this guy. I'm going to email him. I'm going to join his group. I'm going to join his LinkedIn community. I'm going to like a post. I'm going to leave a comment, whatever, whatever it is. I'm trying to shock them into showing up for themselves. Well, I'm glad you turned that passion down, right? Because that's, that, that was certainly, no, I think, I think it's a really good point though. I mean, uh, you know, everyone responds differently to, to different things in life, right? Some people need to be, you know, uh, put an arm around you make it, let you know you're going to feel okay. And some people need to be kind of smacked in the jaw a little bit and, uh, and kind of jostled into, into making a change. Um, uh, what do you, what do you think holds people back truly? Is it simply just fear? Is it simply just, hey, man, like I, I and I try to ask this on the pod. I don't know if it did a good job, but I can just hear in my head, you know, and I, I, I have one particular person in my life that I know really well that that I can hear his voice every day coming home going, man, old man McGillicuddy at the office is really a pain in the ass, you know, and every day it's old man McGillicuddy. And, you know, it's it's a constant daily, you know, weekly thing. But to your point, he hasn't done anything about it yet right like he's ah oh, it's it i'm t- tomorrow i'm going in there and i'm telling old man mcgillicuddy he can stuff it right and then you know hey did you ever talk to old- no I, I tried to but that he was busy and then i got tied up in a meeting and it's kind of that same thing over and over again and i wish i could wonder and i, nah, I guess i do wonder but i wish i understood what held people back because i think we're all guilty of that i sit here asking this question also flashing back to moments in my life where i've probably done the exact same thing and i'm so fascinated by the just the science of the mind that causes that to happen for people where they know old name McGillicuddy is not the, is not the place they want to be at. They know they want to get out of there. They, they, like you said, they talk to their friends all the time about if he tells me that thing tomorrow, I swear I'm going to stand up and I'm going to tell old man McGillicuddy to take his job and shove it. 
And yet, how many of us have ever actually seen that in the workplace where somebody stands up and tells old man McGillicuddy to shove his job and gets out of there? Never. I have never seen it in my entire life. Why do, why, why do you think that is? What's the psychology behind all that? Because it's truly fascinating to me. I think it's survival. Um, mm. I really do. The, the old, you know, million year old part of our brain that's like, well, we, we tolerated this yesterday. I made it home yesterday night. I had an all right day. I'm going to get a paycheck on Friday. Uh, I can probably, you know, I want to change it. I wish it was different and I'm going to do it. And you run through, you know, on your way to work, you're running through all the scenarios. You get to lunch. You haven't done anything. You two o'clock, you're exhausted and burnt out and you don't even really want to do anything. You make it to five 30 or six because you don't want to be the first one out of the office. And on the way home, you rehearse all the things that you wish you'd have said or done different. And you start thinking about all the shit you got to do the next morning. And, and, and while you never think it consciously, you never say, man, I can tolerate this a long time. At the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're just tolerating. You've, you don't take the action because you can survive it. You've demonstrated that you can survive it. And that's why it requires kind of a punch. And, and it's why I show up to LinkedIn and I, I try to be multiple things. I try to empathize. And I try to make people think and I try to demonstrate, dude, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I try to land a punch. It's like, yeah, I get all that shit. But you got to do something. It's not nobody shows up to do this for you. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. It's like, tell me who's going to show up for you. And if you and if you've got if you know who's going to show up for you, why are you waiting? Go go show up for them and, and figure it out. But um, I really think we've just become really good at tolerating because we survived it yesterday. So we'll survive it again today and we'll deal with what we don't want tomorrow. We'll get through, you know, made it through the day, enjoy some time with my family, which you really don't because the texts and emails are going to come in. And I think that's what it is, man. Um, you just, you just learn how to tolerate it and, and, and you survive it. It's funny. I think a lot of people, um, and I, I think of my wife in this scenario, maybe not specifically about job stuff, but one thing she always kind of says, if we're wrestling with a decision, we want to buy a new car or we want to move a house or, you know, we want to re re repaint a wall, whatever the situation is. She's always kind of default thinking of saying, well, it could be worse, right? Like the wall is an ugly color now, but if we try painting it and we don't, it, what if it's even uglier, right? Well, you know, hey, yeah, the car we have, yeah, it, it, it doesn't, you know, the payment's high, doesn't run well, but what if our next car, what if it explodes on the second day, right? You know, that job you say you hate and Mr. McGillicuddy, who you want to get rid of, well, what if your next boss is even worse, right? She always kind of does that. It could be worse. So while it's bad, you at least know what the bad is. You can deal with the ugly wall. You can deal with the car that makes noise. You can deal, air quotes, with Mr. McGillicuddy and his, his, you know, his company and his ways, right? But you don't know what's on the other side. How much do you hear that? Like, well, well, because if I leave, then Lana could, you know, it, it could be worse. I, I could deal with these other things as well. How do you, how do you sort of counteract? What's the punch? What's the Mike Tyson punch back when, uh, when someone gives you that line? No, I, um, the Mike Tyson comeback is, well, then I hope you enjoy the next 10 years of your life living them just like you lived the last 10. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm very intentional in that this is not free. There is not a free option. There isn't a free option to tell, to tell, uh, your employer I'm gone and keep your image and title and all the things that you have and, 
have the perfect light going forward. Um, at some point in there, there's a trade. It's not free. You, you can't have that without, without trading something. Something's got to give. And so, you know, the, the, the Mike Tyson punch to that is, is, you know, you kind of get, you get to this tolerance and you kind of get to this point where it's like, yeah, it is what it is. So it's, yeah, I'm probably not going to go anywhere. I got a nice job, big office. It is what it is. And my, my comeback is, yeah, but it isn't what it isn't. Yeah, shit. It, it is what it is. You're right. You're right. And how happy are you? It is what it is. You're right. How much do you love your work? It is what it is. You're right. What happens in 10 years when you retire from the same job in the same office with the same pay, with the same gut rot that you've got right now? It is what it is, but it isn't what it isn't at the same time. So what if you did something different? What if you went and tried something? And what if you, what if you chase something and it's better? And, and it, it all boils down to, look, I, I write about this extensively in my book. You and I have talked about it. How you answer the question of, will I regret it if I don't? And to me, that's the central question of life. It's the central question of my life. It's been the single question, you know, kind of spoiler alert. I, this is one of the key themes of my book. Um, and, and it's been the central question before I even knew it was a central question that shaped my life. It's brought me to this conversation with you, Adam. Would I regret it if I don't? Would I regret it if I don't take a job with you as senator and leave the farm? That was the trade. I left the farm to take a job. Would I regret it if I didn't go to work in a bank and leave – United States Senate. That was a trade. I left the United States Senate. I took a work job at the bank because I might regret it if I didn't at least see what it was like to be a bank executive. Would I regret it um, if I didn't go to work at Raven and travel, tra take this opportunity to travel the world? My whole point is um, if, if you are listening to this and you're at this place where you're, you're kind of miserable with your job, you're, you think you're ready to trade it, but you're not quite sure what you're going to trade it for. Um, but you're willing to try something. You're at this point where I'm ready to try. I'm ready to get clarity. I want you to really get, I want you to answer this question for yourself. If in two years from now, you're still in the same desk, in the same office, same boss, same pay, same everything, and you haven't tried anything, will you regret it? Will you regret it if you don't try? And what happens in five years or 10 years? And what happens on your last day, your last day on the face of this earth? What happens when you look back on this day and knowing what you know now, and if you've done nothing by your last day, will you regret it? And I, shit, when you start like when you start putting this really unfair weight to time, like really unfair weight, because you can tolerate a day, you can tolerate a bad meeting, you can tolerate all that shit, but you tolerate a life, and you break it into days. When you put that much weight into it, it forces you to think about how I want to spend this day. So. Anyway, that's a, that's, I kind of went off there. I apologize, but I mean, that's really, really what it comes down to. Well, I might regret, uh, regret not letting you get off the show here. Cause I know you got your family, uh, you, you kicked your family out of the house. I heard in the uh, previous episode, I mean, I, I might regret if we don't, uh, if we don't end this podcast soon, hopefully, you know, the, you said they're making pizzas. That was a really specific, do you guys make a lot of pizza at home? Are you a pizza guy? Look, I've got a, I got a 17 year old son. So He's got a remarkably high tolerance for incredibly me mediocre pizza, so long as it fills him up. So the oven's on 400 degrees about twice a day with, hey, we, we do have good food here, but he loves them. So, yeah, we, we eat a lot of pizza here, actually. Are probably. you in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Sicilian? York, what's, your, what's your pizza man. style? New York style. Okay. Yeah, New York. 
Yep. We're New what, York. What, what, what kind of toppings are we putting on our pizza line? So I'm look, I'm a son of a South Dakota rancher. So um I'm a I'm a carnivore. So for me, mm. I love vegetables too. So there there's as long as it's not a fruit. Pineapple fruit, on pizza is no good for you. Fruit it's a controversial topic. Belong on pizza. Okay. Uh, but it, almost everything else probably does. So the sauce is red and yep. no fruit. And the rest yeah. of it is is all good to go. I'm with you. It's outside of anchovies. I, I don't need anchovies. Outside of that, anything else is, is fair game. I, I won't do pineapple on pizza. I know that's a, tr- a controversial topic. A lot of people ask that question. I'm, I'm anti-pineapple on pizza. Uh, I'll still agree on the red sauce. Are you a folder? Are you a slice folder? Or do you just you take it as it is? So the pizzas we cook here at home usually aren't big enough to require the fold. But there's nothing I love more. True, when you go out to eat to a true New York style restaurant where the piece, the pieces are big. I used to be a fork guy. I'm so embarrassed Ooh, by that. I, wow. I mean, this I feel like this is a big confession. This I is used to be a knife and fork guy with big pieces of pizza. Wow, um, bury the lead here. Some some therapy got me through that. That <laughs> and some mocking from from people who really understand how to eat good pizza, and uh, and I don't I need no silverware. I I silverware not needed anymore. I love to pick up a big piece and fold it, and the grease is kind of running down my arm. That's that's how you know you're you're into a good slice right there. Please tell me uh, chicken wings. We're using our hands. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? I am embarrassed about how I eat chicken in a good way, I think. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's totally barbarian. barbarian. There's no knife and fork there. It's right? all barbarian. Okay. Man. And then I'm a big I'm a big uh, blue cheese guy, too. And um, so then, I mean, you got everything's a mess. Every, your napkin's a disaster. There's always something on my shirt. I mean, it's really it's it's really something I should do alone because it's, 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 it's nothing to be proud of for the next ramble. I'm going to need you to bring a plate of hot wings with you and just, just nibble on them as, uh, as we're talking. I do have one other personal thing I'll share with you, Lon. Um, something that I, um, I recognize about myself, I've been working a lot lately, like a lot going on. I decided I needed some, I needed a break. I needed to unplug. And, uh, and so every year my, my buddies and I, we make a, a plan. I live in Florida and we go to the players golf tournament, which is still ongoing this weekend. Uh, so I spent Thursday, Friday, Saturday out of the tournament. And I got to tell everybody out there who's thinking about this, how much I really enjoyed unplugging for those three days and how much I encourage everybody to find that thing that you enjoy, find that opportunity, find that moment to do something, kind of get yourself in a, in a better mental space, a better positive space. Nothing more fun than hanging out on the, on the green of 17. If those of you know, know the course, you know, that's the one with the big Island green, a couple of cold ones, your buddies and you rooting for somebody's ball to go in the water, uh, just to unplug Lon. And I didn't realize how much I needed that unplug until I woke up on Sunday and I had the, I had the lawns where it's like, ah, tomorrow's Monday. I got that meeting. I got to get that report in. And it was like three straight days of not having that, having the chance to unplug, having some, some fun with your buddies. Um, I know some of you talk about a lot is, is taking care of, of your own personal time. Um, so for anybody out there wrestling with whether that's the right thing to do, whether, you know, it's a golf tournament or if it's going skiing or if it's shoot, just going to the bowling alley right, and hang out with your buddies. I always encourage people take that time because I didn't realize how much I needed it until until now when I don't have it anymore and the tournament is over. Uh, but it was such such a good experience, uh, Lon, to unplug and just get that time away a little bit. Oh, man, I love that. You know, one of the hardest things we do as as busy parents who, you know, you're putting in the time in the morning and you're, you're grinding and you probably did some work the weekend before you left. You know, you're just reallocating hours, really getting ready for this yeah. trip. You're not really taking vacation, it feels like. But one of the best things you can do, and this is such, I'm so glad you brought this up. 
Um, the best thing you can do is be selfish. That is one of the awkward conversations you have to figure out how to have. Um, you should give time for your wife to go be your spouse, to go be selfish in whatever she wants to do. You don't get to decide that and you shouldn't. Whatever brings them bliss. And they should give you time to go be selfish, to do exactly what you did, exactly what I did when I wrote, when I, I left for a week by myself on a beach to write a book, when my, my family was here in a blizzard. I mean, that's, that's kind of an, people who don't understand my wife and I's relationship and what I'm passionate about and what I do do when I am here, the trade, um, would think that's kind of an asshole thing to do. But my book wouldn't have got done. I wouldn't feel nearly as fulfilled. And my wife, when I got home, we've had the most beautiful conversations about where we're at with the book and where she's at. It And it requires you to be selfish. You can't, that isn't a good default. But if you don't have the ability to awkwardly be selfish a few times a year, it's part of the problem. So dude, I love that you did it. I think that's leadership by example. It makes you a better boss in what you do today. It's making you a better dad and a better husband because you had the chance to do it. I know it is. All right, let me ask you the, the tough question. So if, if you're not familiar with the 17 green on, on, on TPC at the players, it's an island green, right? So your options are on the island or in the water. Yeah. What would you root for as, as the golfer steps up to hit? Are you rooting for the water disaster or are you rooting for the hole in one, the good shot? Look, I'm a dude who can watch um, America's Got Talent and find myself practically in tears when people's dreams are coming true. I don't know what it is. I, I just love people who chase and, and, and catch. I'm going to be a dude who wants them to stick that green and get that yeah. feeling in there. Feel what they've been hoping they would feel on that green for the last 20 years of their preparation for that moment. I want that son of a bitch and ball as close to the hole as they can stick it. So it's funny, my buddies and I kind of did an informal poll of everybody who sat around us those days. And three to one, we're rooting for water. Three, three to one, we're rooting for disaster, chaos. And not because they didn't like the golfer, but just because the chaos it brings, right? Like now he's got a drop over here as a second shot. He drops a shot. Somebody else might take the lead. And because I'd be like, what are you rooting for here? Are you rooting for a hole in one? Are you rooting for the water? And oh, no, I want to see it. I want to see the water. Three to one, want to see water, but it wasn't malicious. There was a few guys who were like, I don't like this golfer or, yeah, this person doesn't seem like a good person. So they were kind of rooting for bad things. But three to one, wanted the water. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, well, 100% of the golfers wanted the island. And 10,000 other golfers from around <laughs> the world wanted the chance to be on that tee. <laughs> yeah. Trying to do what that one golfer is doing. So. Uh, 9,000 of those 10,000 would have hit it in the water if they were on that team. Well, I sure sure My whole point is uh, whether you hit it in the water or, or on the green, man, it's a, uh, it's the result of a, uh, there'd be a, th there'd be 10,000, probably more like a million people who'd trade places with you, but 10,000 other professional golfers who'd, who'd trade places with you. Hey, can I right, share well, something else with you really interesting? Yeah. I so I, I, in the last podcast, I referenced, um, the questions I ask from people when they come into the, my, my private community and I've never shared them and I probably am going to, and I'm, I'll certainly put them in my newsletter that I hope people subscribe to uh, go to normal 40.com at the bottom and you can subscribe to what I call letters from me to you. It's not a newsletter because nothing about it's news, but, uh, but I, I'm going to share some of these results and I asked five questions and I want to share just a couple of these with you because they're just absolutely mind blowingly crazy. 
as it relates to awkward conversations. Um, question number one is, I plan to be with my employer in five years. Pretty simple question. 60 people, 60%, 60%, way more than 60 people, 60% of people don't plan to be with their employer in five years. And by the way, one of them is, one of the answers you can select is not sure. If I add the not sure, which I think is, is probably, look, if you're not sure if you're going to be, I'd probably drop you into the group of you. You're not sure you are. So uh, so if you add that in, 85%, 85% of people don't plan. That's the key word. Don't plan to be with their employer in five years. Okay, how do you well, think that would, how do you think that would change if you made it one year? Um, great question. I think it would, I think it would go up dramatically hmm. because people, people view what they will tolerate in, in the, in the tighter, yeah. the, the shorter the time frame, the more they know that they will tolerate, ah, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I couldn't even be ready in three months. I'd have to find a job in six months. So a year, yeah, I, I probably will be here. So I very strategically took five so that you take the emotion of tolerance out of it. Now I know what you really want. You really want to go. You really want to go. Okay, great. I'm glad I know that. You didn't know that, but I do now because you answered the question that way. So let's talk about that. My next question is, I know exactly where I want to be in five years. Okay, think about that. So that question, 63% are unsure where they want to be in five years. Now I've got three other questions I'm not even going to talk about right now. When, and I want you to think about the normal 40 guy. The guy who comes in and he listens to this podcast and he finds the stuff I write and he comes into this private community and he's looking for something. He's searching. We know that. I talk about that. You're here because you're searching, dude. That's the only reason you're here. This isn't fun. This isn't entertaining. This is talking to you. So you're here for a reason. And of the people who come in, 85% are pretty sure they're going to leave their job in the next five years. And 63% don't have a clue what they're going to do. Just think of the emotional entanglement there is in that lack of clarity. There's no wonder we're feeling discontent. There's no wonder we feel stuck and stale and angry and that we're getting older and the clock is ticking and lost. Those two questions say it all. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's really interesting to, to, to hear, right? I think it's... I often think about, you know, most people say when you have oh, five years from now, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do something different. Right. But, and I think everyone assumes it's something, you know, it's that dream, right. I'm going to, I'm going to get that dream opportunity, but I don't think it's so funny. I was reading a book. Um, maybe it was a, maybe it was a social media post and it was, uh, I forget the guy's name. So forgive me. I may butcher some of this, but it was essentially like 30 things I wish I knew before I turned 30 or something along that theme. And, uh, and one of them was, um, nobody knows what they want to do when they grow up just just face it and live the ride or something along those lines right and i think there's an element of all of us that you know even as as 35 45 55 year old you know dudes right it's like what do you want to do when you grow up like so some people probably still don't know what it is they want to do when they grow up and i think there's an element of of that that probably always holds true for a lot of us that no matter how how old you are how much experience you have it's always that fundamental kindergarten question is what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think there's still people who probably never really get a chance to answer that question, never really know what that true answer is um, and or are maybe ashamed or embarrassed or whatever it is to actually share what that thing is for them. Well, yeah, everybody, everybody wants everyone else to assume that exactly what they're doing is what they want to do. 
I mean, that's the image. Um, and, and for a while it is. I mean, what you chase, where you are, if you, if you hear our voice, exactly where you are is where you wanted to be. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise uh, that you made the corner office and you got the paycheck and you're, you're doing what you're doing because you got the degree and you made the blah, blah, blah. You are where you are on intentionally. So the last thing you want to do is confess that this isn't really where you want to be. So that's, that's problem number one um, for sure. Um, but I, I think that I kind of break it down into two things that you know you can do. And in, and in rambles, I ask people to get really clear on what they no longer want. Actually, I, I accept that you don't know what you do want. I get it. Most of us don't. Most people don't know what, what they want their life to really be in 20 years. And that's cool. I think that's part of the adventure. Um, but you should know what you don't. You should have a very clear list of the things you no longer want to tolerate. You just don't want them. So let's talk about those. And that's actually a start. So you have that conversation. And then I often ask the question, well, what are the ingredients of the life you do want? You don't have the answer. You don't know that, you know, you can't write it. You can't write, you can't write the chapter, the last chapter of your life and what it looks like, but you can tell me what the ingredients are. Let me give you an example. My wife and I, the ingredients include living in a place where I don't have to own a snowblower. That's an ingredient. It will happen. It will happen in our lifetime. Um, and that's a goal we share. The ingredients are that we take time and allocate money to travel to see our kids being with family and to travel to see our parents, me, my parents, both of our parents are still alive. They they're kind of spread out. And we right now at this point in our life, take time to go see them. Those are the ingredients. And, and I can go on and on. I don't know what that means. I don't know that that, how that fits into my final chapter, but I know that whatever I do today needs to include those ingredients. Whatever I'm baking today needs to include those ingredients so that whenever I'm done baking, the ingredients are in there. So those are, that's just where we start. What do you want? What are the ingredients that don't exist? Well, I don't want an asshole boss. I don't want to have to respond to a text when I'm at the, when I'm at Disney world and in line to the Peter Pan ride. And I don't want to feel guilty about the day I went to the golf course with my buddies and, uh, and we had a time of our life. I don't want to feel guilty about that shit anymore. Okay, great. Those are ingredients that we're not going to tolerate. We're going to figure out a life that doesn't include those. So it's, it's, it's just a really good there. Again, it isn't until you hear yourself say those things out loud and somebody's paying attention and they're saying them back to you that you realize, Oh, I guess I I'm further down this path than I actually thought I was. Hmm. Huh. I didn't realize that a coach could help me understand myself in an hour. Yeah. Well, good ones can, and they do. And that's, that's the whole value of, of what it is. We don't have your answers. We've got your questions. So what do you want to do with it? We've explored a lot of topics on this uh, this particular after hours of ramble. Hopefully everyone's, everyone's enjoying these. I know Alon and I um, have, have always had these kind of conversations after the show. This is kind of the first time we're sort of cluing you into what those conversations are. So if you like this particularly, when you leave a review on podcast, by the way, you can write in whatever you want. So you can write in, hey, love the show, P.S., love the after hours, right? Or love the show, P.S., hate the after hours. Whatever it is, let us know if this is something you enjoy, just kind of free form, no program. Lon and I just kind of talking about pizza, about jobs, about golf, whatever sort of comes up um, as we're 
to the air and, and on the microphones, having a, having a good ramble towards the end. Again, Lon always gives uh, his plugs and uh, he's very gracious with his time on, on the various platforms that he's available on too. So LinkedIn groups, obviously uh, find him on his website, normal40.com uh, sign up for letters from, uh, from Lon to you um, as an option as into your email box as well. Be on the lookout for the trade. I know in the last episode, he mentioned uh, the opportunity to maybe get a bit of a pre-read if, if you're selected to do so, uh, which is really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly waiting uh, to have the opportunity to get a chance to, to get my eyes on that as well too. So do all those things for us and we'll keep doing the, uh, the post-show rambles for you, Rod. And uh, anything you want to add, Lon, before we uh, let people get on with their day or their drive or their workout or their lawn mowing or, you know, get out of the basement. So no one knows you're listening to the show, man. You did great. I, did, I just want to say um, to you, Adam, thanks for always bringing it, dude. I, I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you bring to this podcast. So does everybody else. Um, I hear it again and again, and I know you do too. So thank you um, to please do review the podcast, man. Adam nailed it. The only way we reach the next dude on our mission to, to change a thousand lives is, is when you show up. Um, so please do that. And then Adam mentioned two other things that are new. One is I'm starting uh, the normal 40 ramble, which is going to be a letter from me to you. And it's going to come into your inbox. If that's something that's interesting to you and it's going to be raw and real, and I probably will put some video in there and all that good stuff. Just go to normal 40.com. Scroll down to the bottom and says, sign up for the rambler. Pretty simple. And the other thing is, and this is interesting and it's going to be time bound because my book, I hope to have out uh, late spring. I'm allowing a up to, I don't know how many, I'm not going to put a limit on it. I'm allowing people to come in and get a pre-publicated copy of the book and it'll be in PDF because it's not ready to be published yet and it might not even be edited, but I want to give you a copy for one reason. I want you to read it and if you love it, I want you to review it. That's it. Um, and if, if you're willing to do that, that's the only, that's the trade I'm asking for. I'll give it to you. No charge. You read it. If you love it, leave me a review that I can use. I might even use it in the book. And in fact, I'm going to use some of them in the book. It might be, might be yours. So please give that some thought there again, normal40.com. You can find it there. And you can, of course, always find me at lon at normal40.com. All right. Thanks for showing up. Keep swinging. Hopefully you hit them on the green until next time.